Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality, and I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Today on the podcast, continuing my trend of kick-ass awesome women, Robin Latiker Johnson. Robin was a network executive for years at places like BET and Sci-Fi. When she decided to finally transition to the other side of TV, she became a manager. She's built her own agency, representing producers, showrunners, company owners, everyone in between, and has become one of the go-to people in Unscripted for packaging talent and content together. I talked to Robin about what made her start her own company, the challenges and rewards of being a manager, and where she sees herself and the industry going in the not-too-distant future. Robin. Yes, ma'am. How are you? <laughs> I'm so happy to meet Alisa. you. <laughs> I love, thank you for pronouncing mm-hmm. it right. I'm happy to meet you in person. We chatted on the phone a few weeks ago. I've heard about you. And then and we had a great conversation. I said, you have to do it. You have to do the podcast. <laughs> I love when people say I've heard about you. I'm like, oh, what does your, that mean? Your reputation precedes you. I hope it's good. You know, you have a really good voice, too. Not Thank too. You. you have a really good voice, period. I'm not saying it like in I addition recently, to my voice. No, funny. I was recently <laughs> negotiating a deal for a client, and the um, production company is in New York. And they're they're a smaller production house. They're more like, um, I think more they do more commercial work. Okay. And the owner of the company, young, youngish sounding guy, he goes, wow. Like they stopped me. It was he and his creative director stopped me, like right at the beginning of the negotiation where, where I'm asking for more money, of course. They're like, you have an amazing voice. And I'm like, yeah, don't try to butter me I'm up. Like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> like, is this a negotiation tactic, yeah, guys? Yeah, still give me my money. Yeah. Um, I forgot to offer you water. Would you like some water? Before no, I'm good. I was drinking sure? coffee on the way in. Okay. You're all caffeinated <laughs> and ready to go. Awesome. So why has it been such a big week? Well, I, honestly, I can't get into it. Okay. The truth of it is, this has been, um, I think, a <laughs> growing week for me. Um, I've encountered some new things along my journey of this business, um, this part of the business, which my business is now representation. Yeah. So that's really still interesting for me to say out loud. Yeah. Um, given that I was a network exec for so long. Yeah, I'm sure it's a huge learning curve every day, even like 10 years in, right? Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. I, I actually yeah. said that to my teenagers yesterday, like, because they're like, what are we going to do when we have to pay bills and, you know, <laughs> get a job and all these things. Yeah. But, you know, every like, single wait, experience. Right. Is learning. Yeah. Um, That's probably part of what you like about. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you probably hit a wall at a certain point with any type of job, even if you're a network exec, which we'll get into, you know, at several different networks. It starts to all sort of blend together, you know, depending on the culture or whatever it is. But there's certain sort of things that just remain the same. But I can imagine as a manager with. How many clients? 30 different clients? About 30, yeah. yeah. I mean, each of those people have completely different personalities. Each of those people have completely, you know, different places in their life, mm-hmm. lives and what they're looking for and what they're actually doing. And then the people that you're, you know, negotiating uh, for, um, be, negotiating with on behalf of that. Like, I could just imagine every single thing is going to be different every day. Yeah, I think um, in this business, we all need degrees in psychology first. Because <laughs> it's true. I mean, which which I have one. Do you have there one? There you go. No, yeah, I don't. I didn't know it would prepare me, but it, it has. What you're, what you're saying is very true. I mean, <laughs> I think um, working with people, it's as important to know what type of person you are, but to also really understand the type of person that you're communicating with. Um, I've learned that because I can't communicate the same way with everyone that I deal with. Although I am one way, and a lot of people don't believe it when I tell them I'm shy. I really am. I just play differently on TV, if you will. I could tell you were shy, actually, from our first phone call. Oh, interesting. Yeah. First I thought it was reserved, and then I realized I think you're a little shy. No, I'm totally shy, but most of my friends, most of my coworkers, people I know, they're like, no way. No, you're not. I'm like... (laughs) Yeah, really, though, if I didn't have to leave the house. Right. I think part of the reason why I debated on whether or not I wanted to do the podcast was like, really, do I have to leave the house? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm if worried I could be a hermit. Robin, if I could figure out a way to do it at everyone's house, <laughs> in my pajamas and your pajamas, right. it would be a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. No, so I get it. this was a learning week for me just yeah. in terms of I had to step up and, and um, perform in a different way, in a in a very necessary and needed way for a couple of clients, actually. Yeah. Um, and And it was hard. It was hard. And so, and it was good. And it, I think it, it has made me stronger. It was I, hard because it forced you out of your shell of, of, or your comfort zone? It was new. It yeah. was a new type of situation. <laughs> and like in that kind of thing, is there someone you can ask or you have to figure it out yourself? Like, what do you do? Well, the truth of it is, I mean, I felt as though I gave some really good support and some really good advice based on experiences that I have brought to this already. 
Um, so as you, as you were saying, there, it is a, it has been a learning process to go from being an executive to suddenly being, you know, someone's manager. Um, and what does that mean? And it's not just showing up at the meeting, wearing a suit, doing the funny, uh, you know, agent intro. Um, and we tease our agent friends for that. But the truth is, is they're there for more than that. And they're really good behind the scenes. And a lot of what they do their clients and we don't always see. And I, I know that I knew that when I was an executive, but I know it even more now. But I learn every day, but I brought a lot to it. I didn't realize how much I already knew in terms of representation just yeah. because of my experience on the creative side. Business, you know, working with business affairs, legal, production, you know, I. I've done a lot. I'm not you as young as I And you probably interacted with agents and managers a lot at the network, right? Oh, yeah. So you're dealing with people who are now that All you're the time. doing their rights. All the so. time. And, and a lot, I, I consider many of them friends. That's great. Yeah. All right. So let's go back because um, we have to understand where it all where it all began. <laughs> so um, you did you know that you wanted to go into the television business always? Heck no. <laughs> um, I grew up a latchkey kid. I'm an only child. Um, single parent. From what town? From where? Um, I'm a military brat. So my okay. dad was in the Army. I was born in New York, and then we right. moved a- around a lot. Um, almost every three years, but I, we landed when I was 10 in Washington State. So okay. I pretty much grew up from fifth grade through my undergrad years in Washington State. Hmm. And I watched a lot of television. <laughs> I mean, I would come home and that I was your friend when you got it home. Was, it was my friend. It was sort of my babysitter. It was white noise in a way because my mom worked weird hours. She either worked six. She was a nurse. So she worked six to three, six in the morning. So she'd leave before I was even awake or she worked three to 11. Um, there was a period she worked swing. That was weird. <laughs> and, and overnights. But uh. I would get home after school or after basketball practice or whatever after school activities I had. And I would do all my own stuff. You know, I would make my own dinner. I would do my homework, but I would turn the TV on, typically in her bedroom. And we had a really small house. So we had two TVs, but really small house. And yeah. so I'd turn it on in her bedroom, and it was just on back then. So you there. could just hear, what were you watching? Or what were you listening? Well, what, I watched what was a ton noise? of stuff, but that was yeah. comfort. That was just the noise. That was just the so noise. So what was the stuff that you watched that you loved as a well, kid? Well, you know, I'm I'm of a certain age yeah, and generation where like MTV was really yeah. key back then. Yeah. Um, but I watched a ton of sitcoms. I liked— and particularly when my mom wasn't home because she didn't let me watch things <laughs> right. like um, Three's Company. I was just going to say. You know, right. so which was really racy because everything was innuendo. Super. Which I didn't realize till years right? later. Yeah. You know, crazy. Yeah. And did you watch like um, the Happy Days? Happy and all Days. That? Yeah. I loved Facts of Life as oh. a kid. So lots and lots of yeah. situation comedies. There were so many um, good ones. Yeah. So many good ones. I, I go back now. I mean, Logo is one of my favorite networks now because they, they will play, they you know, Facts of Life. Um, Lifetime's been doing um, Will and Grace marathons for the past three Saturdays because they're gearing up for the new ones. Are you excited and for I, the new ones? I have wasted Saturday, the last three Saturdays. <laughs> binging, binging. <laughs> yeah, I could get into that. That that was a great show. I'm excited for it to come back. I'm oh curious how it's going to work. Somebody posted on Facebook the other day, what are the, what are the shows that you can say you've honestly watched every single episode of? And I have a lot of those. <laughs> right. um, and recent ones. Um, things that I actually went back to that I didn't watch when they when they like originally what? started Seinfeld, yeah, um, Friends, yeah, they hold up. Your mother. They hold up. Seinfeld and Friends. My husband's a huge fan, and then we'll watch with my daughter. They hold up. Golden Girls, that '70s show. Oh my god, uh, I know Golden Girls, amazing, um, amazing. But recently, now watching Will and Grace again, I think hands down some of the best writing on television. Yeah. Do you watch episodes on Showtime? I do not. It's, Everybody keeps Robin, telling me too. I mean, if you're wasting your time, your week, please. It's not that. It's an easy binge. And so anyways, the same writers from Friends. So funny. So we just started Veep. We're in the season three right now. Amazing. If you love oh, Veep. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, you have good taste in comedy. And you're going to love episodes. Right. And then and then we, we just started watching 30 Rock again. Oh, oh, yeah. So brilliant. Amazing, amazing, amazing show. Yeah. I've seen probably every, every single episode of that show. And I like dramas, too, but yeah. I will say that is sort of well, my core from well, when I was a kid. we need the comedy right now, too. I find it's a great release from this horrible world. <laughs> we <laughs> won't get into that. The world's amazing. The world's amazing, but we're just, at the moment, it's crumbling. Not but everybody that's okay. in it is amazing. Right, and it's we're dealing with some, <laughs> I don't know when I'm posting this, but we're dealing with some very scary natural disasters right oh, now. So it's just a crazy time where we need these types of yeah. happy things to keep us boo. 
chewied, so Absolutely. to speak. So, um, God, I could go on a whole um, tangent about episodes, but I'm going to follow up with you and make sure you watch it ASAP. Yes. So I did not know I was going to go into television. I, I <laughs> but really you liked didn't. it. <laughs> so, but funny enough, I wanted to, um, I thought my major was going to be psychology. And then as I, you know, got to, who knows? I mean, my, my kid is just now a junior, my oldest, trying to figure out what he's going to do in college. He doesn't know. Neither did I. Um, Which is fine. It's totally fine. Totally fine. So I, I thought that I would study broadcast journalism at some point, I decided that, and <clears throat> do um, a double major in psychology. I don't really remember like, so long ago what ended up happening, but I do know my first semester of college, I took... I can't even remember what it is, but <clears throat> it like kind of blew my mind in terms of world politics. I'm like, oh, this is not really what I want to do. I like local politics. Like I like local news and, you know, fluff stories and that sort of thing. <laughs> so I followed through on the on the journalism. I wanted to be an anchor woman. Oh, wow. So I just realized my first semester that I wasn't going to do international news. That just really wasn't for yeah. me. World news wasn't for me. So that's what I that's what I studied. But probably halfway through the communications degree, I realized I don't want to be on camera. I want to tell great stories. And all my pieces were fluff. Like, I loved hard news. I still watch news pretty heavily. But I didn't want to write that. I was hmm. writing pieces about... Kittens? <laughs> yeah. Let's kittens just, that save let's kids. Let's just from, call it yeah. the kitten stuck in the tree. Yeah. I, I won't get into the detail yeah. of the stories that I did. but um, That's good. So I, I decided to go to grad school for film. Okay. Where'd you go? The Art Center, College of Design in Pasadena. Oh, nice. So yeah. you moved to California. So I moved to California. And that's where it all began. Yeah. And really. so you then decided you wanted to be a filmmaker? I wanted to be a, a director, a film director, for sure. And did you do some films in college? I so, mean, sorry, in your graduate Yeah. Work? The interesting part about Art Center, which um, really was an amazing experience, and I'm still really good friends with several of the people that I went to school with, unlike some of the other universities in town, which were also great, Anyone can make a film at the Art Center, so you don't have to compete for it. You don't have to, like, write a script and vie and any any of that. Um, but you had to pay for it. Hmm. So I didn't have, have the cash to That's to, crazy. To so you're already film. paying for school, and then you have to pay for all that stuff? Mm -hmm. I mean, you get access, obviously, <laughs> okay. to the equipment and, you know, the gear and all right. that good stuff. You still stuff. have to pay people to make but it. But you still have to buy film. Wow. At that time, right. you, you know, you have to develop your film. So we. <laughs> oh, this is old this school. Is, yeah, this is pre-digital, yeah. all of that. So um, what I did was I produced for all of my friends. And that's where the producing started. So essentially, I was line producing before I even really knew what it was. I mean, I had taken classes. I knew what the strip boards looked like. I'm talking about strip boards, wow. you guys. Okay. Strip boards, not this digital fun <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah. that everybody right. does with the colored strips now. These are like OG strip boards. And... <laughs> um, and I did budgets, and I negotiated deals, and I got the the crew. I did all of that stuff. Yeah. You know? And it just came naturally to you. Yeah. I'm pretty organized, so it was fun. Right. And so I did that for several of my friends. And then one of my girlfriends got a, a grant from from a rich uncle, and we we produced six different commercial spots that were amazing. They still hold up to this day. Really good look. All over town, we shot just amazing stuff. Wait, real commercial shoot like that at Air? For her real. Oh, for her real. For got her it. real. Okay. But they were... I mean, they were quality. Wow. They were broadcast quality. They what were, were they shot on at the time? Oh, gosh. She shot 35, but I don't remember the okay. details. Uh, I wouldn't know. Yeah. Just, yeah, for reference. Yeah. Okay. So then you got the bug, and then we went into the real world, and what happened? I graduated and had to get a job. Oh, God. I hate when that happens. <laughs> that, yeah, there's that. And so my very first job, my very first official job in Hollywood was working at ICM. I was a receptionist. Good morning, ICM. Good morning, ICM. Good afternoon, ICM. <laughs> See, you have a good, good evening, voice. ICM. Mm -hmm. It was perfect. Again, pre-real computers. Like, I had this monitor thing in right. front of me, and all I could do is if people said, who represents George Clooney? I could go, uh, ba -ba -ba -ba, and it was like a through. database more than right, a computer. Right, it was a database. So, did so you I think brought my that... own computer to work, actually. <laughs> That's hilarious. My laptop. I couldn't access the internet or anything, right. which was super low rent back right, then anyway. Right. But so, I this is scripts. like mid-90s? Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. But you mm -hmm. wrote scripts, like wrote screenplays. Scripts mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So you used, like, the time wisely. Mm -hmm. But did you go to ICM thinking that you then might want to go the agent route at that time? Absolutely not. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> just know. just needed a job. No, no, I don't say it that way to be funny. Like, uh, I didn't even know what agents did. Okay. Again, I, I, did you know it was an I agency? come from a little small world. <laughs> right. Right? Like, right. my mom was a nurse. Right. You're not also no. exposed in Washington State where Completely you grew up. Completely not to, exposed yeah. to this world at all. I, I didn't know what 
I didn't even know how TV shows came to be. I just watched television. Right. But in film school, you must have become yeah. a little more savvy. Absolutely. But I didn't go to ICM because I wanted to go on that track. I okay. went there because I worked at a temp agency and they placed me for a day. <laughs> and the next day I got a call from HR yeah. saying, hey, Robin, you know, all the receptionists really liked you here. Would you be interested in a job? And I said, sure. She said, come in for an interview. So I go in, and she's looking at my resume. Mind you, I don't really have a ton of job experience. Right. I worked at the NBC affiliate in Seattle, yep. you know, as a teleprompter operator. <laughs> right. I worked at a bank doing right. customer service. And she says, hmm, I don't know. You have a master's degree. I think you're a little overqualified. <laughs> and I said, well, I need a job. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> and that's um, how it happened. Yeah. And how long did that last? As Exactly as long as I said in my mind that it would. Because she asked me in that meeting, well, will you stay for at least a year? Because we don't want a lot of turnover. And I said, absolutely. And in my head, I said six months. I was just going to guess, was it six months? Yeah, six months. Yeah. It was really great. I got to meet a ton of um, celebrities. And I remember meeting, um, what's his name, McQuarrie, right after he won the Oscar Huh? For I can't remember his name. He won the Oscar for writing um, what movie? Um, Usual Suspects, maybe. I can't okay. remember. Okay. I met Spike Lee. I mean, these are all like brief but real yeah. conversations. It was yeah. it was awesome. But I it was also Good Morning ICM. Good Morning ICM. So I knew I had to do something different. <laughs> right, right. And th again, these were the day I would go home to my second job, which was faxing resumes. Right, just like hustling, hustling. I would get that. Tuesday Hollywood Reporter and the Friday mm -hmm. Variety and go We're through the, the production charts okay. and just fax, 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 fax. At work, I would circle. I would highlight. Yeah. And then I'd go home and fax. And so I started taking meetings. And I remember I had to drive to Burbank at lunch and I asked for an extra half an hour so I could make it back. And I met with a production company and I was talking to the production manager um, about a, a office PA job. And it paid $450 a week which was less than I was making at ICM. Right. And I that said, doesn't sound that bad to me. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, for I that excited. time and like as a PA, I mm -hmm. mean, it still pays crappy. And I was like, you know what? This sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Um, I like this idea. By any chance, would the director need a personal assistant? Because oh, in my so mind, good. I'm still thinking maybe yes. I can be a director in my I life. I love that. She said, I don't know. Let me go ask. So she walks around and she goes in. I still pass by that building all the time. It's great. And she says, you know, they're not sure, but why don't you come back and meet them? So I met the producer and the director, Rusty Cundiff and Darren Scott. This movie was called Sprung in the mid-90s. And they were awesome. Yeah, Robin, we need somebody, but we don't we don't know. We have to, you know, we have to talk to our friend's nephew first. You know, there was some sort of nepotism thing happening. And they said, well, let you know <laughs> right. in two weeks. Talk to every family member. <laughs> right? And I was like, cool. And I didn't really think that they'd hire me because I figured if there was nepotism involved, somebody else was going to get the gig. <laughs> right. And, um... Just about two weeks later, I get a call through in the internal. So I'm usually the one at the switchboard putting people through. <laughs> right. And I get a call from one of the assistants saying, hey, Robin, um, I have Rusty Kunda for you because he was rep at ICM. Oh, that is so funny. Were you like, this is so meta? <laughs> yeah, so weird. That's and hysterical. I, he's like, hey, Robin. If you know Rusty, he's just got this amazing. He's a film director? Yeah. Okay. Um, film, television. He's okay. a director of Chappelle's show. He's oh, nice. amazing. Um and his his original claim to fame was Fear of a Black Hat, which oh, is wow. like classic, Huge, yeah. Chris Rock, classic, right, classic right. hip-hop movie. Oh, nice. Satire, like, great. Yes, I've never seen it, believe it or not. Yeah, it's, it's, see it. it's off the chain funny. Yeah. Um, so so he's he was like, like hey, yeah, uh -huh. can, you, can you start on Monday? This was Thursday, and the next day I was supposed to go to the dentist, and I hadn't had health insurance for a while. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like... Yes, I can. And I was like, okay, I got to go to the dentist. And I called HR. I said, I'm really, really sorry. And I know I should be giving you two weeks notice, but my last day is tomorrow. Oh, my God. What a great story. Okay, I want to pause for the teaching moment because I try to, um, you know, I think uh, from what I can gather, there are people that are sort of starting out in the industry that listen to this. And I, one of the reasons I love doing the podcast is for stories like this because the takeaway for me from this story is if you don't ask, you will not get. Because you specifically— Ask for something that wasn't offered to you. You know, it was like, well, what's, wait a minute, wait a minute. Does the director need an assistant? And because of that, you end up getting it. Now, a lot of times you're not going to get it. Mm -hmm. But if you didn't ask, that would have never happened. So I love that story. That's a great, that's a great point. I'm I glad just got you chills. I can't I tell to remind myself enough. that because I'm, I am <laughs> yeah. kind of the type of person who doesn't like to ask for yeah. help. No, but look so. at like younger you going for mm -hmm. it. 
you know? And, like, for someone who considers themselves shy and who seems like, in a way, you just sort of fell into the beginning of your career, that was Mm -hmm. a pretty ballsy move. I always feel like I'm falling into my career. That's interesting. Yeah, but you know what? (laughs) I don't buy it. So far, I don't buy it. Because, to me, that's a very savvy, like, and again, you may not have been totally conscious of it, but I think that's Mm -hmm. a really, really good story. And it just so happens you hook up with, like, this director who, I don't know where he was in his career, but who's, like, this huge, big star, then now you're, you know, yeah, have that connection already, for life. Yeah, he was already pretty pretty much on it and has done, you know, very well since. But it was a great experience, and it led me to meeting an amazing first AD who pulled me through. And so he was wow. the one—I'm going to give big props to Van Hayden. He was the one who taught me the ropes on the production side so that I wasn't solely a production manager type because my film school experience sort of led me to doing line producer production right, management right. type stuff. Van was the one who taught me— how to do call sheets and production reports and work with the talent and, yeah. and all that stuff. And we did a ton. Of, we we did commercials. We did a series of Gap commercials wow. here. We did a ton of music videos. We did feature films. We did everything. So and you he's still really, very, very busy in the business. So you really didn't need to go to film school. That was your film <laughs> school. Like, it sounds like that was literally like a Ph.D. maybe. If that was, was a awesome. master's, then that was a Ph.D. Yeah, it was And awesome. how long were you there for? Well, we it was all freelance. I mean, these were okay. So you know, job to job to job. It was job to but job. But they keep the crew that they like and that does well, right? That's sort we of how did, those things we work. We did work with a lot of similar people yeah. um, over time, but I met a bunch of different folks as well. And I, I, I sort of swapped from going from I would production manage a really low budget film, which was always an amazing experience, and and but not make a ton of money. And then my next job, I would go be a second AD working for him, making better money, you know, working for Van, I might do a a music video or a commercial, commercial is a better example, where I could make $800 in a day. Was it weird to go, because those are really different hats, right? You're like having like a creative visual thing, and then you're having like an accounting, like is it, that's a pretty cool testament to you that you can go so easily between such different jobs. Well, I certainly had a much smaller ego back then, <laughs> um, but it was it was good for me. Really, yeah, I needed I needed so to much. make better money and right. work with like some really cool people. Yeah. But I also really enjoyed the um, the organization part. I mean, I was kind of the you know on many of my sets, not all of them. I did I also worked for um, many years on many projects with with John Duffy, who's a line producer, and we were just a great team. He would sort of do the budgets, I would do all the production management and handle and oversee all of it in terms of that world of insurance certs and mm-hmm. you know just all of it um but i for many of the shows where i worked solo i was the go-to person right, for, everything. for everything like my trailer door never stopped swinging another teaching moment which is i think you know and i always feel like i sound like the crotchety old lady when i talk about this but i do think that kids today a lot of them don't understand the value in learning everything you know oh, what yeah. i mean like just making yourself available to learn every aspect and you know i've talked about like when i started my first job in local news in bangor maine i was the producer of mm-hmm. you know i was 23 i was the producer of two shows which wow. is hilarious but i also ran teleprompter right i also started everybody's car so that it would be warm by the time they came out you know i also also brought in my computer from home because we didn't have computers and we wrote everything down. Like you have to, if you, I think the most successful people are the ones who make themselves available to do everything, especially when you're starting out. Of course, mm-hmm. now you know you you have the luxury and you've earned having assistants and PAs and APs and all of those mm-hmm. jobs. That, but you know, I think I had Jason Carbone on. Do you know Jason? Mm-hmm. Who said that what what is funny, what blessing and a curse for him is that he's done every job. Yeah. So when people underneath him are not doing their job and they're like, well, 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 he's like, no, 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 no. I know how to do that job. You're not doing it. You know, right. so I'm sure you feel that too. There's the blessing and the curse of that. I've always felt as though <clears throat> many of my, my positions and my coworkers, we've worn many hats. We've had to. Um, sometimes it's just a short staff scenario. Um, I think for the most part, those are great learning moments because you do learn how to do multiple things. You learn how to juggle multiple things, but you also have some physical skills that, you know, apply across different different areas. I do think that I have run into the situation where because I've done so much or I know I've had different experiences that people have um, come to re- uh, lean on me. Um, I'm a workaholic uh, on my own. But if you just push me a little to being a workaholic, like, I'll do it. I'll do everything. <laughs> that has been my biggest, like, that's my learning um, 
biggest learning of my career um, is that I, I have worked really hard because I care a lot about what I do, but not everybody else does. Right. That's <laughs> so, hard. But I do think I do think it's important. And I have um, I have experienced, you know, younger folks who really want to get to a certain place a lot faster than they realize it takes. Because if you start right now today and ask me, oh, how did you get here? Because like if you just met me, if some kid just met me or any of these great people that you've um, interviewed, they think, wow, they're producers, they're executive <laughs> right. producers or they're doing. No, it, yeah. it takes a while. Like I, I have. um uh, a, a friend of mine is Anthony Carbone. He's an EP on the new Fear Factor on MTV. Is he related to Jason? No, <laughs> he's not. Um, and Anthony was my intern 25, almost 25 wow. years ago. And now he's he's a big shot. Yeah. And he's doing great. And he's got a family. And it's, to me, it's so adorable because he used to be my little intern. But if any, anyone else meets him, they're like a little intimidated because yeah. he's Anthony You're like, Corbone. He's little Anthony, too. Now, did you see in him the potential when he was an uh, intern back then? Did you think Absolutely. this guy's going places? Absolutely. The thing is, he he was an editor first, which is great, obviously, yep. for storytelling. Yep. I didn't know that he'd switch sides and go there. What I did know when he was very young is that he had the best attitude on the block. Love it. He's, he's so amazing. The, the the short, quick story is that when we were very young, I think my son was just born. Yeah. So he's 16. Anthony gave my husband, who's big dude, like this big <laughs> hug, and he was so, like, fearless. Aww. And it was just awesome. And so he, yeah, he has a place in my heart forever. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's—I'm I'm, trying—I have so many questions. So, first of all, how did you—I'm trying to figure out— what the tra- trajectory was to go from all of this to the network side. Like, at what point did you, like, even transition to traditional television? And right was on. that with the network? Like, was there no, something in between? It was produ- production <laughs> production led me into okay. the television zone. It is a circuitous journey, so yeah. I, I can't get in the weeds for you <laughs> right. because it'll take too long. <laughs> right. But the, Give the me the highlights. Yeah, the thing is, um, uh, I had gone from production to production and then got hired at Langley Productions. They're known, very well known for cops. Oh, of course. And um, John had partnered, I think, with Stephen Chow on some things. Um, you guys can Google Stephen. He's, <laughs> he's got a very um, illustrious career. And I think his girlfriend was producing or directing this project for Langley. And so I was hired as the production manager. On Cops. Uh, no, on this oh, a different pilot project. that okay. that that um, Stephen's girlfriend at the time was was helming, and so um, it was really cool. It was yeah, it was really cool. It's like Taxi Cab Confessions only in women's restrooms. So, I <laughs> so love that idea. yeah. So I was they didn't they didn't know me. They just hired me off of a resume, and um, that was sort of like my first sort of production foray into a television pilot type of scenario. Okay. And I just sort of ran it all from a desk inside Langley's office. They went out into the field. I think I was six months pregnant, you know, that kind of thing. Wow. Was that with your first? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then, uh, and by the way, still, like, one of my best friends in the business is Karen Horry, who runs production for, for Langley. Nice. Yeah, and, and does some development as well. So, um, you know, from doing a lot of the different productions, I, I got a random call from a woman one day who wanted to pick my brain about something. I'm like, sure. So she takes me to lunch. Really um, wonderful person. And she's like kind of awestruck because she works with executives who don't really do production. She's like, wow, you know so much. I want to introduce you to my bosses. One thing led to another. And I was hired at the Sci-Fi Lab. So you didn't know what you were basically I was being hired. Was happening. <laughs> I was being hired to be sort of the head of production. My title though was director. Okay. Um, head of production for this unit called the Sci-Fi Lab. And they did internal production for Sci-Fi. Correct. Oh, that it doesn't exist anymore. It it evolved. Okay. It evolved. So um, yes, it just evolved. It went from being the Sci-Fi Lab, which was sort of just this little offshoot. It wasn't a traditional development team at all. Doing what was then we just called ourselves reality Mm -hmm. Um, and then it merged to alternative (laughs) right but we produced a lot of pilots and presentations and most of them didn't go anywhere a couple of them did and in that four years that i was there um it was a really small group of just fun creative people Mm -hmm. um i just i found that you know I, i had only so much work to do so i just started asking my bosses at the time hey do you guys mind if i sit in on this meeting um i would 
listen to the pitches. I would watch casting reels, you know, for the pilots and presentations we were doing. I would read creative. I would just offer my thoughts, even though nobody asked for them. <laughs> and then at one point I just asked them, I said, hey, you know, um, since I'm taking, I started taking my own meetings at that point. Um, can I change my title? Can I up update my title from director of production to director of development and mm. production? And they were like, sure. She didn't ask for any more money. Sure. Right. No skin off their back. Again, asking for what you want. Oh, you're so right. I love it. I, I love did. it. I, I love did. it. And um, I got new business cards, and there was an announcement <laughs> in the trades, and then suddenly all like, of these this people— This is really happening. <laughs> oh, shit. All these people started calling me, like um, assistants, asking if right. I needed an assistant. <laughs> Um, which I couldn't hire. Uh, yeah. Then. yeah. Um, agents, um, setting meetings. And it just went from there. And so the, what year was that? I'm just trying to think. Like, I started sci-fi in 2000 and I left at the top of 2005. Wow. OK. So that's a long, yeah, a long we run. Yeah. We launched Scare Tactics. Yeah. And didn't and you also, weren't you involved in Face Off? Wasn't that? Yeah. But that was my second tour of duty at sci-fi. Oh, you went back. I did. OK. So wait. So you were there five years. I was there five years. And um, there was a lot of, there was a lot of attrition, a lot of different people okay. in and out. Um, I had several different bosses and several different company merges. It was just an odd time. Again, learned so much. Yeah. Because um, I knew nothing about the corporate world. Right. Absolutely that's a whole nothing. different. My people oh. don't come from corporate. <laughs> right. Like I didn't. It was awesome. Um, but I was ready to move up. And that was hard to do given the internal restructures that kept happening. Because every time I, I got a new boss, I had to reprove myself. Ugh. And they were always kind. And and Mark Stern was the, sort of the last one while I was there. And he was extremely, like, um, just understanding and helpful and offered mentorship just in terms of knowing where I was and that it was time for me to move on. And he was great. He gave me some really good advice, actually, as I was on my way out the door. So I started taking meetings, and that's how I ended up going to BET. Okay. And then you went to BET uh, in development. You went Correct. There. Okay. I went there. Um, I was vice president of development. Okay. Um, I was essentially starting the division because I think there had been a development group before. Yeah. Yeah, there was, but there hadn't been for a while. I think I met with you at B when you were at BT. How many years were you there? Three and a half. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I, I probably have met you yeah. at some point because you also seem very familiar to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I went there. That was awesome. Um, about five months after I started, Reggie Hudlin came yeah. into the group. And so... That was just a wonderful, like we launched, I launched 35 series in three what? and a half years. Oh my yes. God, that's incredible. Yeah. Talk was, about a workaholic. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was hard work. there were times where it was hard work. My kids were really little, so that was challenging, wow. but, um, but it was fun. Yeah. I mean, I was really proud of everything that we did because every premiere that we had at the time beat the pr the prior record. Every so finale. Fire. It was so what much fun. What were some fun. of the shows that we would know? Um, well, we did. <laughs> Hell Date was a fun show. That show. I, can they please reboot that? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I just don't know how it would work today with the, the little person in the double costume. Okay, fine. It's completely rare. If, is there a place where people can see it now? Because it's seriously one of my so guilty funny. pleasure reality shows. I think I've mentioned it before. That show, like, had me crying laughing. It's a prank show, essentially. Yeah. And the person, yeah, and and the, the little person devil. I don't know why, but I was You're like, on hell day. yeah. I mean, one of the funniest shows ever, ever. I, it was I like boiling this, points for dating, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I get the same reaction to um, <laughs> to scare tactics. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, we launched thirty five series. Um, oh my god, um, American Gangster, mm -hmm. um, Sunday Best, which I think is still on air. Wow. Um, which was sort of like gospel idol, essentially. Okay. Oh, nice. Um, Keisha Cole, The Way It Is, mm -hmm. Little Kim Countdown to Lockdown. Wow. <laughs> we did, we did a, a, a docu-series around DMX. I mean— Now, were you so personally involved with all this talent? Uh, no, I, yes and no. I didn't have to be necessarily. Okay. My my philosophy has always been hire the right people, the, right. the production companies and, and the showrunners with the vision, and, and you know, kind of hold them— Make them accountable, but give them the freedom to actually do their jobs. Love so, that. So um, Sean Rankin was the showrunner on um, College Hill once Once I came into the picture. And he was amazing. He made it easy for, for me. Um, and obviously he worked with Tracy Edmonds. They made the post process really easy in terms of notes. Um, I did have some interaction with some of the talent, depending on the scenario. 
I was just wondering, when you said Little Kim, I'm like, oh, my God. I had a really fun two-hour conversation from my car at Costco with Little Kim. Yes, I did. <laughs> and she was normal. She was Little nice, Kim. She was Little Kim. She was Little Kim. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> she was true to form. She was true to form. But, yeah. you know, honestly, it was a great conversation. But it was one of those, like, am I really having this conversation? <laughs> just come downstairs, Kim. The cameras have been there for five hours <sighs> waiting for you. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So I'm curious what. First of all, I'm curious how, you know, network to network, like I said earlier, a lot of things are going to be the same. But I'm sure, I mean, sci-fi and BET literally could not be two more different networks. Mm-hmm. So what were some of the things, not so much corp- corporately, but sort of creatively that, you know, are, are you of the belief that if you're a good network exec, it really doesn't matter what type of content you're doing, you yeah. know, that it's sort of the, the pillars apply? Or was it just like, oh, my God, this is just night and day. And how am I going to sort of you know, put on this different hat? Uh, I am of the mindset that a good executive can develop anywhere. I, I have so much to say about that, though. <laughs> okay. So, f- first of all, that to me translates also into today's world with showrunners. And so, like, the bane of my existence right, right now is getting showrunners hired. And um, right. they production crime, they haven't done dating, they haven't done wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. It's, it's like, mm, okay, but they can tell really good stories. You can hire, you know, show producers and other people who have done those things to help bolster it. I totally agree. And the production companies are sort of hamstrung, and I know they want to hire their 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 people that they trust, but the, the networks are, are very hands-on these days looking at these credits and being discriminate. They're doing their best to try to do the best for these shows, but it's it's a cycle of, you know, if you need more people, if you can't find showrunners who have done crime, then you have to hire more showrunners to do crime. A hundred percent. Hire people who have done bio docs or whatever it is right. who can do these shows. If they've done behind the music, chances are they can do a crime series. A hundred percent. I mean, I sort of get like if you have done renovation shows for the last 12 years to the, you know, and nothing yeah, else. Walking in to do a dating show yeah, might be a little Right. Like, OK, eh, I'm not so into that. But I completely agree that story, mm-hmm. you know, if it's about story. I mean, we have the, a post, uh, an EP on post on a show we're doing now, which is a crime show, who came off a food show, a travel food show. And she's mm-hmm. fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. she did a great job on that show. She's doing a great job on this show. Couldn't be more different. You, it's, know? you know, it's nuanced, right? So if you, um, you have to hire the right people, too. So if you're hiring somebody who's a great storyteller, but they're so ego driven that they, they think they can do everything and they know it all walking <laughs> into, sh- uh, you know, a, um, a genre they haven't worked in in a while, that could be a challenge. Um, but if you hire somebody who's like ready and willing to do their job well and be part of the team, it could work out beautifully. Yeah. But my OK, so my other my other consideration with regard to can you work at any network, mm-hmm. essentially, I, I think I, I can. When I left Sci-Fi the last time, I got a lot of calls and the the spaces tended to be a little more male because they just assumed because I was at Sci-Fi, which is actually the opposite it's assumption. Because more female, right? Slightly more female. Yeah, it's funny. And my shows definitely did. You know, <laughs> I'm Ghost Hunters and Paranormal Witness and and um, Face Off. So those shows definitely skewed more female. So funny. But um I think that I'm going to get in a lot of trouble, I think, for the statement. But I feel that now that I'm on the other side and I have the the experience of pitching a lot of network executives, I realize that many of them, um, many of them, first of all, are overworked. And I get that. Like, you guys, if you're pitching to network execs and they don't get back to you right away, don't assume that they're passing on your project. Don't assume that they don't care. Don't assume that they're a bad executive. They are just swamped. So at least give them that. I also have noticed, though, that some of those people sitting in the in the chairs are not developers. They're not developing. They're identifying. They're basically extremely entrenched in their brand, in their demographic, as they should be. So they should be taking all of that good research and marketing information that they get from the other teams in their at their network. And they they feel like they totally understand who they're programming to. And then they just basically swipe left and swipe right. That's not how you. That's not being a good development executive. Do you have an example of a show that came in that didn't fit those things, but you developed it to fit the brand and it became a success? Um, that's a great question, and I'm so bad I'm off on the, the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, I, I am. But I, but I will say, what I will say is that part of my mo when I was at BET, I had the luxury. Um, of meeting anybody I wanted to, whether they were an established person or had an agent or whatever. And a lot of times people would pitch me something and then I would pitch back to them what I thought would be a viable show. And I love that process of molding and trying to figure something out. Um, 
I do know a couple of executives who are like that, and I'm so proud of them um, because they can see the kernel of the idea. And and if they believe in it, they'll work with that person to get it to the place where they can bring it back in and repitch it, and then they'll champion it. But most execs don't have time for that, and I get it. I do. Well, don't have time and also maybe not the orientation. Like, I wonder if the people you're thinking of have all been producers. And but and I'm not saying that all mm-hmm. good network execs have been producers or the the opposite is true, because I think it's you can't necessarily generalize. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you're right. There's no rule. And there's one particular person that I'm thinking of, and she wasn't um, a producer. She's just smart. She's just smart. Yeah. yeah. She, she's just really smart. And then there are also execs who don't. Or, or, I'm sorry. There are execs who take risks, which I which I think is amazing. Um, but most of the time, especially in today's world, um, executives will read a log line or watch a two minute sizzle and make a decision off of exactly what's there without extrapolating beyond. It, it, maybe it's not their job to do it. Maybe the producer should walk in with a bit more fleshed out. Whatever. But I think sometimes you do have to be open to if we just make a few tweaks, if we're willing to invest the time and sometimes the money into some recasting or whatever it is, we might actually have a hit show here. Do you find that the people pitching the company, the person, whoever factors into that formula, in other words, a network exec will be more apt to do what you just described if they really want to work with that person, that person's had hits or, you know. Sometimes, you know, again, no rules. I know um, from my own experience, there were certain producers who came in and pitched often that I passed on all the time and I was rooting for them. Yeah. Um, I really, really right. wanted like, I wanna to buy do from something. You. I want to buy, and I've yeah. told some of them that I, right. I'm waiting for you to walk in the door with that right thing because yeah. I want to work with you so badly. Um, I I do know that some independent producers have a, feel like they have a tougher time mm-hmm. um, because they may not have a track record. They have a good idea, and they're they you know they're told they have to partner. Some yeah, you do. I mean. Right. That's part of getting in, a, your do- in the door. If I'm a network exec and I like your idea and, and I quickly crunch the numbers and go, OK, this is going to be a $300,000 an episode thing. We're going to do a minimum of six. I'm not just giving you a million right. five. It's just not going down. <laughs> Sorry. You got to you, you right. know, you got to I need to know, <laughs> that yeah. you know, who's ever taking care of my money is going to handle everything yeah, properly. A hundred percent. But yes, people do like to work with certain production companies. And if you've delivered multiple times, why wouldn't they? Right. I mean, it just makes sense. I was just mm-hmm. talking to someone about that yesterday about uh, I was talking about a particular uh, new frontier company, let's just say, who's okay. getting into the game. And the way they're building their team is all people from a former company that oh. they want to work with. And, and I said, like, I totally get it. If yeah. I was building my own company, I fill it with all people I've worked with that I love. Like, that's how it works. You know, it may not feel fair to the outside, but it's human <laughs> nature. Yeah, that's yeah, that's human nature. It's the way of the world. I will say that it is it is challenging for all new production companies, even if you're and I've seen, you know, we we've all seen some like major executives coming from big networks who have launched out on their own to start production companies. And even for them, it's taken two and a half to three years to really find their footing. Yeah. It's a whole other ballgame. Yeah. What was your biggest challenge on the network side if you had to distill it to one thing or or that you felt was, you know, uh, shackling you in some way, you know, that, that didn't that wasn't the case on the other side? Um, such a great question. The main thing that created the the challenges, um, <laughs> it's like it's like pregnancy. You, you know, it's really right, painful it out, at the right, time, right. and then you can't. It's the same hormones, right? Um, moving too. I mean, for me, I just I always think, having not been in a network for a very long time, that you know. Um, the layers that you have to go through a lot of times to just get shit done or get things approved or, you know, you're not the decision maker. I would think, I, I feel like network execs have even told me that's just really hard, you know, that it's it's by committee. It's more, yeah, it is by committee. It's more challenging for some than others. Um, certain, yeah, right. you know, it just <laughs> it depends, depends on, on the network. corporate culture. Yeah. So, so in, you felt emboldened to be able to get stuff done. Sounds like you got a ton done. I got some stuff done, but I def- I was not the decision maker either. I mean, yeah. I was able—I did have some influence at certain times in my career. Um, 
certainly if I really believed in something, I could go to my bosses at BET and say, you have to watch this tape. And that's how a Baldwin Hills got made. Wow. I, you know, I felt it. I knew it from the get go. <laughs> and I went to them and said, and like, I, I finished that pitch and I walked into their office and said, give me five minutes. I like that, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you can't do that. Well, you do that once, once in a blue moon because that's when they'll really believe you. It can't be like oh, the boy who cried wolf. Absolutely. Like, I love this. I love that. I love it. You know, like, well, you love everything. So how can I trust that this is going to be the breakout? Right. So that's a cool story. Yeah. So then what, so you went back to sci-fi after BET. I right. did. So I left BET. When I left BET, I just, I'd been there three and a half years. I launched yeah. three and, you know, 35 shows. I was exhausted. <laughs> yeah. I was really sort of, you know, beaten down. I was doing rough cut notes at two in the morning. I just. I oh needed. My, God. my kids were like in first and third grade. Uh, it was, I wanted to go spend time in their classrooms. Um, so I just did the independent producer thing for a while. I developed a slate of um, project with my with a business partner, and then um, and then I I got this call from an executive who I knew, and she was like, "Hey, um, what do you think of?" X, Y, and Z person, because I'm going on maternity leave and they're going to come in and fill in for me. And I'm like, I love her. She's great. Like, you should hire her for sure. And then that person who was great, Satara Pendleton, got a job at um, We. We, right. Yeah. Oh, and crazy. so she couldn't. T- oh, no, maybe it was Style. No, it was uh, style. I was just going to say Style. Yes. Yeah. It what was is she style. doing now, by the way? She, now she's at We. Yeah. Okay. She's an EP at, at okay. We. Okay. Um, and so. She's great. She couldn't, she couldn't do the short term job for so sci <laughs> So then they call me back. She goes, I know you're doing your own thing right now, but I'm only going to be out for six weeks, whatever. So I went in, I met with her boss, and then I didn't hear from him for a while because he went to MIP. He had a lot of stuff going on. Then he calls me and he says, it was supposed to be three months, actually. And he calls me and he says, hey, um, are you still interested? You know, and I'm like, sure. It's only six weeks. I'm like, sure. Six weeks turned into six months. And then so that was. She came back right on time. And um, but they kept you anyway. There was a lot of work. Yeah, there was a lot they going on. You. It was growing. So it then, how long were you there for the second tour of duty? Four and a half years. Oh God, <laughs> I love three months turns into four and a half years. Yeah. Okay, so that so after that tour, that's when you left to become a manager. Or am I Correct. missing some? Okay. Correct. So that was a couple years ago. I left. Yeah, t- end of twenty fourteen. Okay. Yeah. So, and I remember when we spoke on the phone and I said, like, what on earth? Like, how on earth? And you said that people were, had always been telling you, you should be a manager. I Well, you know, it's funny. I used to get questions, like, even in my early days, my first, the first time I was at Sci-Fi, like, agents would ask me because I would I would have to call, you know, as part of the negotiation process and ask questions or do whatever I was doing. Are you an, are you a lawyer? Like they would always, are you a lawyer? I'm like, no. Um, did and you go to law school? TV. <laughs> no. But um, there was a period of time where I thought I would go back and go to law school so that I could go into like oh, wow. become an agent. I thought that would be interesting. Um, I, I'm not going back to school now. Yeah. But um, that was in my early 30s. <clears throat> but um when I left Sci-Fi, my intention wasn't to open up a management boutique for <laughs> unscripted uh, showrunners and directors and multi-camera uh, directors and casting folks and composers. That wasn't my goal. Um, my thought process was it's it's time to go. Um, I had done some really fun things, had some great hit shows on the air, and I would go to another network. I just assumed I would go look for a job. And there just really wasn't anything out there. Yeah. Um, I just had these hopes. Like, there were a lot of changes at the top. I remember um, people were moving and shaking at Discovery. And there was a lot going on. I thought, oh, there will be some opportunities. And I went to Real Screen and had a ball for the first time. I didn't have, like, back-to-back stack meetings (laughs) for, you know, 10 hours straight. Yeah. And got to see a lot of people. But there really weren't a lot of opportunities. Huh. So it was by design. It just, or by lack of design, I guess. Yeah, it was, uh, it was serendipitous, I think. You know, on the one hand, I had to do something. I had to figure something out. I'm not independently wealthy. (laughs) Right. Um, Have to work. And um, I was, I was taking breakfast, lunches, and dinners with a lot of people just to say, hey, I'm out here. And if you need any help in development, I can be a consultant, yeah. yada, yada. And I would get interrupted. I, I think I told you I, I, was, I had some producer friends from Sweden who wanted to reconnect with me. And we're on a Skype call. And th- they asked me what I'm doing. And I start telling them. And they just, like, cut me off mid-sentence. I said, Robin, will you manage us? Will you represent us? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> um, hadn't even occurred to you. 
hadn't even occurred to me. And I was the reluctant hero in that story. And yeah. every single time it happened to me eight times within a two week period and many more times, like over like six weeks where people would say, well, have you have you thought about being an agent or a manager? Um, would you represent me? And my husband is the one who said, you know, listen to the universe, at least explore why yeah. they're asking you these questions. And I think part of it is just like in conversation, they know that I get the negotiation mm-hmm. business affairs deal making process. They know I understand production because I've been there. They know that I've ha- actually had hit shows on the air. I know how to pitch up. I know how to sell. Um, and a lot of people need support. So it's very challenging, I think, for some people to get an agent to to get an agent, number one. And if they do and they're not sort of in that top tier of um, making money for the agency, then they don't get as much attention as they want or believe they deserve or whatever that is. And I think one of the things that I'm able to bring to what I do now is um, a real connection. And I can be, I like to be, I don't mind being the cheerleader, the support system, the nurturer, the psychologist, whatever I need to be in that moment. I mean, obviously I have to manage my time, but I, I feel like sometimes a client needs more than just um, somebody to negotiate their deal. Yeah. Or so somebody like, to put them in a room. Right. They need creative input. They need a shoulder to cry on. <laughs> They, they, yes, they need self-esteem training. Yeah. I mean, I, I represent, I represent across the board some really hot folks, like experienced, yeah. smart, funny, creative individuals. Right. I also represent a handful of really badass women. Love. Who, without fail, will hit a point where they have lost their self-esteem. And I'm like, who are you? Yeah, yeah. Um, but we and all you, do it. And they feel comfortable and you feel comfortable enough stepping in to say that. Oh, yeah. I'm more than happy to be the mini Oprah. I just I really <laughs> want people to lead their best lives, whether oh. that means they're not chasing the dollar all the time. Like, take the right jobs. Don't just take yeah. any job that comes to you. Um, and I love that because you obviously benefit from on the financial side. So for you to be able to say that is a, a, very sincere to me. Oh, but, yeah. You know, I haven't quite gotten to the greedy point yet. <laughs> I, I haven't. That's probably why you're doing so well, because I think that that's transparent and people don't want to be rep by someone I'm sure like my agency friends who are listening right now are like, that's why we're not hiring her. Yeah, well, <laughs> too I just, bad. Um, but actually, a lot of my agency friends feel the same way. Like, yeah. you, not all money is good money. Yeah. Not every opportunity is a good one. And sometimes we put ourselves in situations that are unhealthy, um, whether it's the hours or the people. Um, and it, I don't, I, you know, there are a lot of different reasons why you take a certain job. Some of my clients take a job because they need the, the money. Some of my clients take a job because they want the opportunity to work with that talent or that network or that production company or that showrunner. Um, some of them just want that title on their credits. There are a lot of reasons why yeah. people take jobs. Yeah. But you always have to come back to, is this a healthy opportunity for me as well? Absolutely. I mean, a hundred percent. I'm just at a point yeah. in my life where, you know, you know, life's too short and, 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 and it takes such a toll. And especially when you're trying to take care of yourself and your family, you know, it permeates every aspect of your life if you're not in a healthy situation. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned that the money lesson early on where I left a job I loved for money and the money helped. I'll tell you, I was single in New York, couldn't pay my bills. The money helped, but I was miserable. So yeah. I, I've, that's like a lesson I impart all the time because yeah. it's just not worth it in, in the overall scheme of things. Mm-hmm. So as a manager, do you just find like, you're just hustling every second. <laughs> you know, being a being a manager and unscripted, first of all, it's a little nuanced. It's not like I, I really have that big of a difference in responsibilities and, and um as then an agent. Um right. we do many of the same things. Right. I, and you work are, side by side with them as well. I do have some clients that also have agents, um, and several who also have lawyers. But there aren't a ton of unscripted managers in this business. No, there's I not. I kind of only know of one other, and I'm not even sure if he's still doing it. And he's a great guy, and 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 everybody who's ever worked with him loves him too. But um, so I found a really interesting yes. niche to sort of yep. you know get into. Um, it's it's a hustle for me because I'm a solo operator. Mm-hmm. So the so the real difference is that I'm not at an agency where there are seven other unscripted agents and they all share information and they're all talking to different production companies and or 
networks every day. So like they cover seven and another guy covers seven and another guy covers seven. Notice I'm not saying girl and another guy covers it. Yeah, there's a few women out there and <laughs> right. God bless them. Right. But, no, um, but I get it. Right. Like it's you, you alone. I'm not bitter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's just me. And I have a, a wealth of relationships. I'm so, so lucky and blessed to know the people that I yeah. do. But it's not enough. Yeah. And as much as I love them and I know that that it's it's pretty mutual, I can't call them every day. They're going to get annoyed right. at some point. So I am hustling. I'm really trying to be strategic in terms of who I reach out to every week and diligent about following up with people who haven't responded. I don't, I, I have to get a response. Don't you just feel like a pain in the ass? Though? No. Okay, good. No, no. <laughs> you know, the thing is, yeah, I could. Like the, that little voice in the back of my head gets a little nervous about being annoying. But the truth of it is, it's my job. It's your job. And by the way, they expect it. Like, that's why, you know, when agents and managers call network execs, they don't get annoyed because they know that's your job. It's, it's like that's, you're in a perfect situation where you're protecting the producers, et cetera, from being the annoying ones. Yeah, that's that's really like <laughs> one of the main things that I try to offer some of my clients because they I'll do, do the bugging for you. <laughs> I, that's, I tell them that like I want you to I want you to create, create, create. Let's go out and pitch and then you go create some more and I'll do the follow up. So you don't have to be all churned in your tummy trying to figure out, do they love me? Do they love yeah, me? I love it. It's like dating. Yeah, it's, it's such a it's such a cruel game. Yeah, you need you need a media uh, uh, some somebody a mediator for dating. Yeah, too. it's like protect your you know protect your feelings a little bit, give mm-hmm. yourself a place to land. Yeah, so I hustle really hard because um, I don't have access as much access to all information as you know, um, and a bigger agency, a bigger would. agency would have. Yeah. yeah, right. So you have to dig it up. And by the way, and I just want to say it: so many of the agents have been so kind to me, and they will give me information too, which I think is so sweet because they don't have to. I love that. Yeah. So let's talk. We're, 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 we're rounding the end of the hour. So let's talk about um, the business, right? So you're in the, like uh, unscripted, mm-hmm. which is, you know, having a hard time right now, says everybody. You know, I don't really listen to that stuff. But but it's one aspect of entertainment, right? So there's scripted. You know, there's a million other things. Where are you falling in terms of like traditional, you know, linear versus streaming. Like, I'm, you know, there's tons of unscripted going on now with Netflix. Apple's about to explode, you know, Hulu, Amazon, the whole thing. So, like, where are you, you know, are you looking at all these new avenues in terms of your clients? Where do you think this whole thing's going to go? And are you sort of trying to look ahead to the future to guide your clients in the right direction? Indeed. I, you know, at my core of what I know and my experience, I'm a linear girl. That's how I came up. And I realized really last year and the year before that I cannot only be a linear girl. And it's really kind of fun to watch how um, the digital marketplace is growing and evolving and, you know, seeing, um, like you mentioned Apple, but Facebook, Watch and all these, you know, and Snapchat. It's really, it's really happening. And um, I'm starting to make some inroads. I have to say, you know, again, I have to hustle for those relationships. Because right. I, you know, well, because a lot of them don't come from our world, mm-hmm. quote unquote. You know, yeah. and when they like, do, I've never heard of these people. <laughs> when they do come from our world, I'm like, yeah, I yeah, can call right. that person. I used to work with that um, person. So it's great. But yeah, w- you know, my clients are pitching in the digital space. Um, I'm getting more and more. I'm building more and more relationships. I'm all, also part of what I do is packaging, just like just like an agent. So depending on my client, depending on their project, depending on the needs of the show, we might partner with a, a production company that's established. Out there, and that also gives us the ability to rely on their resources. Of course, which is amazing. A hundred percent. So that's interesting. What are the goals for you and your business for like the next five to ten years? And I will say before you answer, I'm friends with you on Facebook, and one of the things that I love and look forward to are your sort of words of wisdom that you put out. It's almost very life coachy, yeah. um, and I say that in the best way because I, I love that stuff, and it's very inspirational. And so I feel like you have a you're a very thoughtful person who who thinks about things like what are my goals and where am I going and what's important. You know, part of the RLJ's word, hashtag RLJ's <laughs> word, um, it started, you know, a couple of years ago officially, but I used to post, you know, the silly memes. I, <laughs> I, I downplay it. I call it silly. I shouldn't do that. But I, I, do, I did it for myself. You know, sometimes you have to talk to yourself. Right. You have to. The self-talk that we give it's ourselves true. on a daily basis is more often negative than it is positive. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to offer some positivity selfishly, first and foremost, for me. 
And then if it affected other people, that made me really happy. And when I meet people um, or I haven't seen people in a while, they go, oh, my gosh, I love your RLJ's word. Mm-hmm. So that, that means a lot to me. Um, I am goal-oriented, but this, again, going from being a corporate person to an entrepreneur has been challenging. And, you know, we probably all have a love-hate relationship with it. I'm learning along the way. I wish I I wish I had better set goals for it. But again, I sort of serendipitously fell into doing this. My goals have shifted, though. So last year, I was really, really focused on selling shows. And my clients and I, we did 16 collaboration deals with other production companies. One of my clients has a show that, you know, she's executive producer on that's airing on Bravo this fall. Jackie Pittman. Jackie Pittman. Shout out to Jackie, who introduced me to Robin. And Jackie, her podcast is coming out next week, so this will help. She's she's phenomenal. So, And she says, I mean, the reason I wanted you on is she just couldn't stop gushing about you. I've known Jackie. You know, it's funny. Well, we okay. met in a pitch when I was at Sci-Fi, my first first tour of duty. But she's an amazing, um, an amazing creator who also casts. Yeah, so it's really important for people to know that she's an executive producer with an extremely creative mind. Yeah, if you don't know Jackie, call her up. Indeed. Um, so I lost You were saying No, no, no. You were saying uh, you were focused totally on selling the first year. That's correct. So I was focused totally on selling the first year. We did an amazing job together, my clients and I. Um, but I also realized that all of the packaging that I was doing, it's like building, you know, it's brick and mortar. You're laying the building blocks to right. build that. But ultimately, I wasn't making any money. Pie, right. I know how that works. Yes. So I, I really intentionally focused. My goal was to get through real screen at the top of this year. I had a lot of other things I needed to sell. And then I was going to focus on identifying new clients that were showrunners that I could um, be a good partner with. And, and it really does have to be a fit. And I've gone, you know, I've met some people that it hasn't worked out. And um, I've worked with some people who are still friends of mine, but it hasn't worked out. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, we have to be a good fit together. We have to be able to make money together. Right. Um, it's important. Um, and so my goal ultimately is to continue on this track where I'm able to still do both, still do packaging, um, still be able to help clients um, find the right production partners that are important for their projects and also continue forward on staffing. Staffing is a really important part of it. And staffing wasn't my goal when I started because I'm a creative girl. Yeah. That's what I've done for 15 years. Right. But now I have, again, like it's just my heart. Like yeah. I got to get people work. I, yes. They need to work. Oh, I, love I need that. to help them. I love, I love that. That, that. That makes me very happy. All right. So here are some of our stock questions that we always end with. The first is... Drum roll, please. What is your proudest accomplishment? <laughs> I feel like you just told me like 20 of them. Uh, you know, this, hey, I'm going to give you the cliche answer. My babies are amazing. All right. We're not allowed I'm to so, answer. It oh, has to be professional. I'm so proud of them. I know. Um, and they're adorable. I've seen them on Facebook. Number one accomplishment. I got to tell you, Face Off is in its 13th season. Yay. Dwight, I'm... Uh, Another shout out to Dwight and Michael. Dwight needs to make Did sure. Get a shout out that, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Dwight I said, Smith and Michael. And I try to. I try to fit them into every podcast. Yeah, if I can. they're 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 amazing. Yeah, um, and so you really that's that's an amazing success story. And and you know it's funny. I I don't know if it's my proudest accomplishment, accomplishment, but part of the face off thing is a, a few years ago we got a maze at Universal's um, Hollywood Horror Nights, and that was a big deal. Huge! Yeah. <laughs> it was a big deal. It was that's, a lot of fun. That's some and, ancillary revenue. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That's very cool. And do you have any regrets in your career? Um, no. Yeah. No. Good for you. Not at all. I, I made I made a couple of bad decisions. Well, couple. That's, that's the uh, learning curve, right? No, I, I, I have made some bad decisions, but yeah. no regrets because I learned from them. I love it. And lastly, what are your three top three unscripted shows that you enjoy watching when you're not working? Um well, I guess the first one is Born This Way. Uh, love Drew Tappen. Shout out to Drew. Shout out to Drew Tappen. Love my boy <laughs> and Drew. Sasha Alpert, who helped cast that as well. Um, and, and Jonathan Murray. Yeah, um, I don't know Jonathan, but I've only heard the best things. I watch so many shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's rough. I watch so many shows. Um, I really do like The Voice. Um, Me too. And... I, I'm I'm stalling because I'm because I only have one left and I have so many yeah. friends in this business and I also I kind of want to name something on cable. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Well, born this way is cable. Yeah, born this way is cable. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, my gosh. What's a sleeper? What's one that, like, people may not even, like, may not be a hit, but you love anyway? Oh, that's a, that's a really, that's a really tough question. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry. My brain doesn't work that's okay. when it comes to thinking of different shows. Um, yeah, I think unscripted is, it's a, it's a tough category because like I've been watching the defiant ones, which, so, you know, yeah. it's doc. So well, no, I consider, I mean, you, if you look at my roster of people that I've had on the, on the podcast, mm-hmm. I mean, that fits squarely into it's, unscripted. Defiant ones is dope. Like, I love I, it. I, I want to work with that way director. The story, the way the narrative is laid out, the cro- I mean. I just like looking at all their big houses. <laughs> well, yeah. They've accomplished a lot. They've it's done like well for themselves. It's like house porn, the whole thing. House yeah. porn. It's a, two incredible stories. I yeah. agree. Amazing. Well, Jackie, oh, Jackie, <laughs> that was my most embarrassing, <laughs> I should do my most embarrassing moment. I had Jackie on the brain. Jesus, rewind. Well, <laughs> who are you again? <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, <laughs> whoever you are, it's been great, Robin. Thank you so much. This has been so great. What an incredible career! And are you taking new clients? If people want to, you might get a lot of. Uh, thank you for asking. Yeah. I, I do. I'm actually right now being um, very scrutinous. I'm, okay. I've actually told a lot of people I'm not taking clients right okay. now. If I get over Don't 30, bother Robin. No, you bother me because I'd love to meet you. Okay. Um, just know that. I genuinely say this for your benefit. If I say no, it's not because you're you're a bad person or a bad client. It's because I don't think that I'm going to have the time to service you properly. Okay. That's important to me. It's not you. It's her. Okay. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Robin. Thank you. Thank you.